Well, my name is Jared Stevens, one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and uh, so thankful that you are here this morning as we kick off kind of our new series for this month called Act Two, as we look back at all that God has done in the story of our church, as we look ahead to next week as we celebrate our two-year anniversary. Uh, we're a toddler as a church, which is exciting, and as we look ahead to what's beyond that. And I just want to say to those of you who are here for the first time uh, this morning, we are so uh, pleased that you would join with us this morning, that you would... Uh, come here this morning. We're going to get to the heart at, of why it is that we gather here every weekend, and you're going to get a snapshot, especially for those of us who are maybe new or it's your first time, you're going to hear the heartbeat of why we do what we do every week here at Soul City Church, and that's our goal for this whole month, that we would look kind of at the, the story behind all of what we do and look at why we do it, and more specifically, who we do it for. And so I'm thrilled to kind of kick this time off together today. Um, if it is, uh, kind of, you've been here from day one, the start of our church, you may have just walked in the doors, I think it's no accident that you're here this weekend. I think it's no mistake that you're here, and our hope is that you would hear truth from God's word that would shape and, and actually transform your life, that you would have a moment with God that would lead to movement in your life. And so I just want to just make a special note to make sure that you, uh, you know, make sure you put it in your calendar to join us next weekend for our two-year anniversary. Same service times, 9, 11, and 5, but it's going to be a really, really fun celebration as we look at, you know, back at all that God's done and look ahead at all we expect Him to do. We're going to do something here that we do uh, every week as a church. We're going to continue in our worship. Our musical worship has, you know, kind of hit pause for the moment, but we continue in our worship by giving back to God and responding to God out of the goodness for what He has poured into our lives. This is just how many of us say thanks to God, one of the many ways that we can say thanks to God. And a lot of us at our church do that online. You can get set up to do that today if you want, and, and, and that's where God's leading you. But we just want to take a moment as a church to actually respond to God. As we just sang with our words, we want to actually give from our hearts. So in a moment, we're going to receive our offering, which is what we do here on a regular basis every week. And uh, we trust that as we give, God actually grows our heart for Him and for others. But as we do that, we're going to do a little multitasking. So we're looking at this weekend at why it's important that moments we have in our life lead to movement in our lives. And so what I want you to think of is I want you to think about an important moment from your life, a significant moment from your life. What's a kind of high point moment for your life that comes to mind as soon as I even ask the question, there's a moment you can think of like, yeah, this was a great moment in my life. So an example might be like the, if you're married, the day you got married, your wedding. And husbands, uh, let me just tell you right now, that should be your first and final answer. If you were sitting with your wife, it was, sweetheart, the day that we got married. Maybe it was the day your kids were born. That's one you can share. Maybe there was a, a graduation or, or a job that you landed recently. Go, no, this was a turning point, high point moment. But make sure that it's a moment that you can point to and say, this was a significant moment in my life. And what you're going to do is actually share that moment with the person next to you. So while we're receiving the offering, you can turn to the person next to you. Make sure you know their name and ask them, hey, what was a high point moment in your life? Everyone talk to someone, go ahead and take the next minute or two to do that, and then we'll come on back together. <laughs> All right, if you can wrap up your conversation. Clearly, these are some uh, good memories, good moments that you're sharing with the person next to you. That's good. That's very good. Uh, there are a lot. I mean, obviously, uh, the day we got married was a very significant moment for us. I'm not just saying that because Jeannie's listening, uh, but it's a very, very significant moment. Uh, the birth of our kids, we didn't know what we were having with our first child. So when Elijah came out, I was like, you know, that's when we found out we were having a boy. And I remember specifically, I mean, just in tears saying, you know, it's a boy, it's a boy, it's a boy. And then our birth of our daughter, Gigi. I mean, those are very, very, very 
significant moments. There are many more, but there's one that happened recently that was a really fun moment for me. Uh, and it was an opportunity that I didn't see coming. Like a lot of the moments in our life, we don't see them coming, but they have incredible power in our lives. And so uh, there was a moment where my brother, he's, uh, he's like an activist, and he does a lot of work with anti-slavery, and he was hosting an event. Uh, he had just kind of filmed a documentary for CNN, so he's kind of hosting a follow-up event here in the south side of Chicago with a, uh, a rapper, a hip-hop artist that I really love from Chicago called Common. And so uh, if you know Chicago and you know hip-hop, like, you know who Common is. And I really love Common. And now, you know, Common's not just a rapper. Like, he's an actor, and now he's an author, an entrepreneur. And so my brother said, look, Common's performing at this because he did the, the documentary with Common. He's like, look, would you want to come? I'm like, uh, I'm on my way. Where are we going? I'm there. I'm on my way. You know, I get to see a free show and blah, blah, blah. So we get there, and I was very kind of quickly brought backstage. And so now I'm backstage with, like, the veggie, you know, trays, and I'm sitting there with my brother in Common, and I'm trying to play it as cool as possible. I'm like, what up, Common? Like, I'm trying to keep it together and not just fan out in this moment, you know? And so, so I'm kind of talking, making connections, talking to his mom, who's a huge advocate within Chicago Public Schools. And so we, we're talking and connecting over our partnership with Brown Elementary, and everything's kind of fine and good, but they're about to go out and perform. And Common goes, we should, we should uh, huddle up and pray. Let's huddle up and pray. And so I'm like, oh, that's really cool that they do it. He goes, hey, pastor, you're pastor, pastor. Pastor, come on over here. Why don't you pray for us? I'm like, Yes, I will. And so that was my moment, and I was not going to miss it. And so we huddled up and grabbed prayers, him and his whole crew. And I'm standing next to my brother, and I'm, we're pray- I prayed one of the most powerful prayers of my life. I wish I prayed every day like I prayed that day and got all fired up. And so we, afterwards, there was a lot of like high fives and bro hugs. And he's like, man, Pastor, man, listen, I should bring you on tour with me. You can pray for every show. I'm like, that's a great idea. <laughs> Let's talk after the show and see if that ever pans out. We love moments. We don't want to miss a a moment. We know that moments matter to us and that in many ways our lives can change in a moment. In one moment, our lives can change. You think back for those who are married. That was a very significant moment. Your life is different from that moment on. Now, we love the idea of moments, and I think every significant moment, not just the one that I shared with you, but the significant moments, the moments that matter in our life, have real power and potential when there is God-given and God-driven movement that comes after those moments. And no doubt, if you were to think back on some of the high point moments of your life, odds are, after that moment, things were different. And it may have been great things we're celebrating, like we mentioned, marriage and having a child, landing a job. But even the painful ones and the difficult ones have the power and potential to have transformational movement in our lives. Maybe there was a loss in your life. And while you never would have seen that coming, the the death of someone that you love in some way has changed you, hasn't it? Caused you to look at things a little bit differently, value things a little bit differently. The breakdown or the breakup of a relationship, a divorce, changes your perspective, changes your story. There's power and potential in every single moment that matters. If we pay attention to them and if We actually invite God into them. The moments in our life that have the most power and potential are the ones that we actually invite God into and allow him to do with the moments of our life what only he can do. It's because no one loves moments more than God. No one loves those meaningful, significant moments more than God. And what we find again and again, as we're going to see here in a second throughout the pages of Scripture, and if we were to honestly assess our life and look back, One of the things that God does with the moments in our life is he leverages them 
and uses them to literally open the door to get our attention, to open our eyes, to open the door to the movement that he has in store for our lives. Moments literally can open the door to the movement that God has in store for our lives. And while maybe it was a moment that happened in the past or a painful moment, my hunch is the ones that matter, we look back and say, I'm different because of that. My life was changed because of that moment. And one of the things we love seeing and we see again and again throughout the scriptures is how God does that. Changes our life through moments where we allow him then to take over and bring movement into our lives. You think about, if you were to comb through the pages of the Bible and look at sort of all these sort of stories that you can find in the Bible, all of them that have significant movement in their lives can be traced back to a moment. There's a principle at play you see all throughout the story of the Bible. You think about Jacob. If you know the story of Jacob in the Old Testament, he had spent his whole life running, running from God, running from his brother, running from his sort of calling in his life. And finally, at one point, he literally wrestles with God through the form of an angel, wrestles with God all night long, literally wrestles with God. And God breaks him in that moment and renews him in that moment. And his life is never the same again. His life is radically changed. There is now movement from that significant moment. Joseph, if you know the story of, of Joseph, the amazing Technicolor, maybe you've seen the musical. You know the soundtrack. At least you know the soundtrack, okay? Joseph has a moment in his life where his jealous brothers sell him out and plan to kill him, throw him into a pit to die. And then they see just in that moment some traitors coming by and they sell their brother into slavery. Killing him would have been the kind thing to do. They made a profit off of his misfortune. And from that moment, his life has changed. There is movement that literally begins to affect not only Joseph's life, but it affects an entire nation and ultimately comes back to affecting his family. See, there's movement that God uses from the moments of our life. Moses has a moment at a burning bush where God calls him, invites him into doing what he could never do on his own. There is then a lifetime of movement that comes from that moment. David is called out of relative obscurity as a shepherd boy to fight a national enemy. And in his defeat of Goliath, there is movement then in his life to where in a very short amount of time, he who was just a meager shepherd boy, would become king over Israel. And there would be several more moments in his life where God would leverage them and use them to open the door for movement in his life, to break him down and to renew him, to help shape him into more and more a man after God's own heart. There is moments that Mary had with an angel, a teenage girl, is met by an angel and is told that she is going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. That's a moment. And there's significant movement that comes from that. We celebrate it every Christmas. You see the pattern again and again and again throughout the scriptures. These great movements of God can be pinpointed back to a moment that God uses to open the door, to get our attention, to redirect us for the movement, the transformation that he has in store. And one of the ones that I love, one of the movements of God that we literally have based our church on, one of the movements of God that we're actually focusing on for the entire month of November is the movement of the church. This world has never seen a greater movement than the church. You ever stop to think about that? Put aside maybe all your thoughts and assumptions and presumptions about what church has become. Think about what God actually intended 
The world has not been the same since God began the movement of the church. This world has never seen a greater movement. And so all throughout this month, we're studying one passage and focusing our hearts on one passage, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, which talks about the birth and the movement of the church and how significant that is and how we long to be a church like that church, a church that is in line with God's heart as we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47. But instead of going to that part, what I'd love to do is take us back to the moment that came before that movement, if I could. So we're going to kind of jump around Acts chapter 2 a little bit. Instead of starting with the movement, we're going to go back to the moment. This would be the uh, prequel, if you will, to the movement of the church that began some 2,000 years ago. So what I'd love for you to do, if you would, is grab a Bible, please. If you brought your own, grab that. If not, here's good news. We have a Bible for you. And we'd ask everyone to do this so you can read for yourself and determine if you believe these words to be true and if they actually might have power in your life as we do, as we believe. So you can grab a blue Bible and turn to page 759. That's Acts chapter 2, page 759 in the blue Bibles. You can read along. We'll also put it on the screen. We say this every week. If you want to know more about who God is and want to know him as he's revealed through the Bible, uh, please, if you don't own a Bible, take this Bible with you. Take it home with you today. Take a Bible from church so that you can determine for yourself if you believe these words to be true as we do. So we're going to read about the moment that comes before the movement of the church And let me give you a little context. Let me just give you a little context first before we do. A little context. Uh, What had happened is these disciples, these followers of Jesus, they themselves had had a moment with Jesus just three years earlier where they didn't see it coming. He called them out of obscurity to a life of following him. And in just three short years, their lives had been radically changed. I mean, literally radically changed. They had been with Jesus for three short years and then experienced a moment that they did not see coming, even though Jesus had prepared them for it all along the way. Jesus would ultimately offer his life for us on the cross, be raised by God through the power of God from the dead. And then he would go and ascend into heaven. And in a very few short amount of months, these followers of Jesus would become the leaders of the church. And I just want to give a word of encouragement for those of us who maybe you're new to faith or you're just kind of starting out and you're not sure sort of how to figure it all out, these folks had only had three years with Jesus and they were used by God to lead the greatest movement this world has ever seen. Take heart. And for those of us who've been Christians for a really long time and have yet to experience that kind of God's power moving through us, then we believe God has an invitation for you as we work and build this church together. Three years is all they had and God used them to begin the church. So let me give a little context. Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, He said to his followers, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You stay. In fact, he told them to go to the city of Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem, the city where Jesus had been falsely tried and accused, just outside its walls where he had been crucified. He said, stay in that city. Stay. And you'll know when the moment comes. And so they stayed in an upper room, gathered together, eagerly expecting and awaiting for God to do they didn't know what. But they waited. They watched, they prayed. Outside that upper room, though, in the city of Jerusalem, there was a very significant celebration going on. See, there was two celebrations that come back to back in the Jewish calendar. One of the biggies, one of the biggest, is Passover. Passover was a holiday that people would travel from all over the world to specifically the city of Jerusalem to celebrate. So you have people from all parts of the known world 
coming and converging on the city of Jerusalem. Historians said that during the time of Passover into the celebration of Pentecost, the city of Jerusalem would triple in size. That, I mean, imagine the city of Chicago, 2.9 million people. Imagine if tomorrow, over the next week or so, we had about 9 million people in this city. Do you think we have the infrastructure to handle that? I mean, can you imagine that? That's what was going on in Jerusalem. So outside the walls of the upper room, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people staying in the city from Passover to about 40 days later to the celebration of Pentecost, where this event that we're going to look at, the birth of the church, this moment begins. So here we go. Acts 2, starting all the way back in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, the second celebration from Passover to Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost came, they, being the disciples, were all together in one place. They did what Jesus said. They stayed and eagerly, expectantly awaited for him to move. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Just pause real quick. You think they're having a moment. You think this is a moment. All of a sudden, they're just sitting, praying. Someone's got Scrabble out. Like, they're just kind of waiting. They don't know what's going to happen. And then, boom, this, uh, this violent wind, this sound, and the presence of the Holy Spirit comes, and literally, tongues like look like fire come on top and sit on top of people's heads. This isn't just a metaphor. This literally happened, but what, re- what it represents is so much more. Because look what it says in the next sentence. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, just hit pause right here. This is a very significant moment in the life of the church and in our understanding of what it means to have a relationship with God. Up until this point throughout all of the Bible, we had a relationship with God. Perfect intimacy in the garden, broken by sin. The entire Old Testament is a story of us separated by sin from God. Put your finger at any point in the Old Testament, and you will see the story and struggle of people separated from God by their sin. We always had a relationship with God. Then God comes to us in the form of Jesus to be with God us. This is the first time in human history now that God actually comes in us. It's a very, very powerful moment. The Holy Spirit enters in to the lives of those first followers. And look what begins to happen. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Remember how it said it looked like tongues of fire sat on their heads in the text there? What it's representing there is that they literally had the ability to speak in languages that were not their own. They instantly began speaking in different languages. This is like pre-Rosetta Stone. This is instant bilingual, like they just were able to speak another language. Now, why is that significant? Because outside the walls of that upper room, thousands and thousands of people from all parts of the world had gathered together in Jerusalem, all of them speaking different languages. This is very important. We see God's inclusivity from the very beginning of the story of the church. All are welcome. And so, Peter goes out onto the deck, and, and people noticed that something was going on. I mean, you know, it looked like, like fireworks were shooting off from inside this room, and people had kind of gathered around outside to see what was happening in this moment. In fact, the text says at one point that when, you know, they, Peter comes out to begin to preach, people heard people speaking in all these different languages. They assumed that they were drunk. And they just assumed that that's the only logical explanation is they were up way too late last night or got up way too early this morning. Jesus is like, no, there's no Bears game today. This is not tailgating. There's no, and he even says, it's nine in the morning. It's way too early to be drinking. That doesn't come till noon. No, that doesn't say that in the Bible. I just made that part up. I made that part up. So Peter goes out and he begins to preach the first sermon of the church. 
And this sermon basically broke down the story of Jesus throughout the Old Testament, brought it all the way up to current day, where, G- where Peter points out and says, this is who Jesus is. The one you rejected, the one you crucified, is the one used by God to actually bring salvation to us. It's a powerful and convicting message that Peter preaches, and everyone who was gathered there heard in their own language what was being spoken. Jump down to Acts 2, verse 37. Let's look at this together. Acts 2, 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Let's just hit pause real quick here. They were cut to the heart. Have you ever had one of those moments where maybe it's in the church in a moment like this, where you hear from, from God's word, or we sing a line of a song and it just, it just speaks to you, for lack of a better word? It just goes right to you and you feel like you're the only person in the room. Have you ever had that kind of experience where you felt like, man, I've, maybe you've heard this before, but it sounds like it's brand new? Or it feels like God's been reading your journal and it's just you and him and there's a moment. Have you ever been cut to the heart by God before? So This is a city full of people listening in and they were literally cut to the heart. God broke in and spoke in to their deepest desires and longings, which is ultimately to have relationship with their creator. They were cut to the heart by Peter's message, by what God was saying. And so they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers and sisters, because all, all people that were gathered in the other room, men and women, received the Spirit equally. Brothers and sisters, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Simple. Repent and be baptized. Offer your life to Jesus. Begin to follow him as we have. And be baptized. That's why we celebrate baptism every month as a church. That's why that moment matters to us. Because it's one of the clearest next steps to following Jesus. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God in you. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all, all who our Lord will call. And look what happens in the very next verse, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were what? Baptized. They were baptized right there, right away. They were baptized. And about how many? 3,000 people. The first day of the church. 3,000 people respond to God and say yes. Maybe you've been to church before, you've gone to church, and you maybe had to do even church shopping uh, here in the city of Chicago. And look, if you're kind of one of those people that doesn't like big church, you'd hate this church because it was big from day one. 3,000 people. That's where the church starts out. That many people cut to the heart by God's message, responded to him and being baptized, and then begin to live out the text that we're studying this whole month. Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is a powerful, powerful picture of how a moment, a very significant moment, leads to movement in our life. How God literally opens the door to what he had in store for the church. This moment at Pentecost, where God literally enters into our story, changes the story, and the world is about to see the greatest movement it had ever seen, known as the local church. There is power and potential in the moments that we have, especially when we allow God to leverage them for transformation and growth in our lives. And what I love about this story found in Acts chapter 2 is that all they knew to do was what Jesus told them to do. They waited for that moment to come, eagerly expectant, desperately dependent on God to show up, just waiting, God, if you don't show up, I don't know what we'll do. 
God, you have to show up. You ever had one of those moments in your life where you just had no other option? Where you looked at your life and the circumstances of your life, or maybe it's a prayer you've been praying for a while, and you just go, God, if you don't move, I don't know what to do. If you don't come in and move in our marriage, God, I don't know what we're going to do. God, if you don't move in, in, in providing for me, I don't know how it's going to work. God, if you don't move in giving me the next step for whatever it may be in my life, I don't know that feeling of being desperately dependent, eagerly expectant for God. It's one of the greatest places that God grows our faith. None of us like walking into those moments, but all of us are changed by them. And if we allow God into those moments, he changes us through them. When is the last time you were eagerly expectant for God? You said, God, I have no other option but you. I have no other place to go. That's really what I love. That posture that we see the first church start in is the same exact posture that this church started in two years ago. As we set out to obey God and be faithful to start a church from scratch in the city of Chicago, none of us had ever done that before. And so we, we were, God, we, you have to show us what to do. You have to show up. We are desperately dependent on you. We literally are expecting you, God, to move. And we can't move until you do. And so we will wait here for you. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and waited for God to move and expected God to move. And he has, church. He so clearly has. Again, you may have been here from the very beginning, but if you're kind of new and haven't been, I want to show you a snapshot of our church just a couple days before we open doors. That's this room. You're looking at a picture from this room just about two weeks before we opened doors to this church. We desperately needed God to move, specifically in the areas of primer and paint. We really needed God to show up. I mean, if you can, I don't know if you can see on the screen, like we had a projector duct taped to pipe up there. I mean, so we needed God to move in very, very, very big ways. And yet we kept showing up. We kept showing up, saying, God, you have to move. There, there were so many obstacles. It felt like millions of obstacles in the way of us obeying God. But God, we believe you've called us to do this. We believe you will show up. We expect you to show up, God. And so we prayed. In fact, many of the prayers are written on these pillars around this church. We prayed for our friends. We prayed for God's favor. We prayed for God to open doors. We prayed specifically that God would move in the heart of the city of Chicago to make sure we could actually legally open our doors. We prayed big prayers. And in fact, some of you are sitting in this room today. Some of you have actually entered into a relationship with Jesus because of those prayers. When we find ourselves desperately dependent on God, eagerly expecting Him to show up, big things begin to happen. Movement comes from those moments in our life. And that's what we've seen God do from when we've opened doors from before, even when we opened doors. We've seen God move in this church. We had no idea how exactly God would move, but it's happened so many times in moments just like this. And what we found is this moment like this where we gather together on the weekend is unlike, at least for me, any other thing I have in my life. This hour that we spend together on Sunday 
is so unlike any other hour in my week. There's not a lot of other times that I gather together with a couple hundred people to sing songs about God. That doesn't really, like I sing in the shower, but there's not several hundred people there at that time. This is a unique moment that we get to have together. We've seen God move in our lives and in this church in moments just like this. That's why we keep gathering every weekend. That's why this moment matters. That's why this time on Sunday matters. Because it's a time for us to come together and eagerly expect God to move. Why would we show up for anything less? Why would you come? Why would you get out of bed, especially with an extra hour of sleep, and show up and expect anything less? When we say, God, I expect you to move, I expect you to show up, that moment becomes transformational. We saw it here just this last Easter as we presented the best we could, like Peter to that first church, the story of who Jesus is, the story of his death and his resurrection and how we've now been given life through that event. And in the moment, just this moment on the weekend, that Easter weekend, we saw 64 people give their lives to Jesus. 64 people in one day. And it's not just 64, it's like friends of ours, friends of yours. Like my friend Cindy who she had been, without knowing it, been prayed for by several people at work. They had been conspiring against her by praying for her and inviting her again and again and again to come to church. And so she slowly began to come. And, and it was on Easter Sunday this last year that she said, I've heard enough. I choose to give my life to Jesus. That moment has changed her life. And she is in a movement of transformation right now. Joined a small group, is growing around here is walking with God through even some difficult seasons in her life already. That's why I love how many folks we've seen baptized at our church here in this moment. This is why we keep gathering, because we expect to experience God when we come together like this. There's no other place like this in my week. There's no other place where I get to see what transformation looks like in public, like we do with baptism. If you were here a couple weeks ago, last week you saw folks who were baptized tell their story. Manish is a friend who has grown up in a Hindu home, and decided as an adult, I want to explore this pathway to Jesus. And so he began to explore and study all the major religions. And he committed to read the Bible, the, this like same Bible that you're holding, from cover to cover to determine if Christianity, more specifically Jesus, was the way. He got all the way through the Old Testament. So again, there are some of us who are Christians our whole life and have never done what he's done as a Hindu. He got to Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, didn't even open the Gospels yet and said, I get it. Jesus is the way to salvation. Gave his life to Jesus. Was baptized last week. That all happened in the last six, seven months. And it happened from moments in, like this that we gathered together and say, God, we expect to experience you. Why would we come for anything less? I love seeing how as we've gathered together in moments like this, and we've thought about how we can interact and experience God beyond just singing and hearing from his word. And we looked just back behind this room to what was a hallway. It was a place that people would come into the church and park their strollers and park their bikes. And someone on our team had the wisdom to go, you know, I think we could do more with this than just a parking lot. And so we converted that space into a prayer hall. And where we used to park bikes and strollers, now people go and experience God in very real and tangible ways. After our service, all throughout the week, people go and find the strength that they need from God to get through one more week, have someone pray 
with them for whatever burden they may be carrying. Pray for them for the places in their life where they feel like they can't even pray anymore. It's become a transformational space in our church. And it happens when we gather together in moments like this. I think about how as we've explored God's word together over the last two years and talked about what it means for us to be a good neighbor and to love our neighbors well and to see how God has grown that and the movement that's come from these moments, which has led to our partnership with Brown Elementary School. Friends, it is a very special thing that our church has in that partnership with Brown Elementary School. There used to be a thing called separation of church and state. But with the mess that our public school system can be in and the need that was at that campus and the leadership we saw in Kenya Sadler, principal of that school, God built a bridge where there very rarely is this kind of bridge. And as we've explored what it means to be a partner in just two short years, we have seen God grow a partnership with Brown. And when Kenya is here at our church, she goes to our church now. And she walks these halls. I get just as nervous around her because she's a hero to me. And I think about what it means for us as we explored partnership with them and now how out of just gathering together and studying God's word and considering the vision of what that might look like, there are 70 people every week that gather on that campus every school morning to read with kids. That's amazing movement from little moments like this that we've had together. That's why we keep gathering and gathering and gathering every weekend. That's why this moment matters, is because it has transformational power to literally change the trajectory of our lives. Why would we come for anything less? We, 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 we don't put like all the work that we put into this weekend service so that you, know, you can sort of come and maybe have like a spiritual social club. Maybe you grew up at a church like that or been to those kind of churches where it's a really nice thing and it's a nice thing that everyone kind of does. They all go to church and see each other and it's just more a part about social connection than it is about spiritual depth and intimacy. It's, we believe God has a lot more for us in these moments that we gather together than that. It's not just a time that we come for religious entertainment, you know, to come and maybe hear your favorite song sung. Like, you can get that on TV. There's plenty of religious entertainment. You can have it. We come here because we expect to experience God. And I wonder, as we look ahead for what's next for our church, as we look ahead at how we're running out of room in our Sunday gatherings, I wonder what will happen when everyday ordinary people just like you and me show up to this time and say, I am expecting God to move. I'm not coming to be entertained. I'm not coming to hear my favorite song or hear a great sermon. You, you may get one or two of those out of that, whatever. That's not why we come. We come because we expect to hear from God, to have a transcendent, transformational experience. That's why we keep gathering on Sundays, and that's how we see God continuing to grow and change, not only our church, but our lives. And I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss it. And I love seeing how many more folks have said they don't want to miss that either, don't want to miss a moment. And so as we look ahead for what's coming up in our church and considering that we don't just sort of go to church, but that we actually are the church and that it's just as important that we go from church, change and transform, I think there's two key questions that can really, really help us that are, I think we see modeled in the book of Acts chapter 2 that I think will literally change your experience when you come to this time every week. The first question is this. 
What do you come here expecting from God? And just to think about that for a second. Like, what do you come here expecting from God? More importantly, what do you desperately need God to do? What do you desperately need God to do? How, how is it that when you come here on Sunday or prepare to come here on Sunday, you are expecting God to move? You ever wonder why people, when we sing around here, raise their hands and, and you know, cry out to God? Do you, do you want to know what that's about? That's people who are expecting God to move. They're expecting God to speak into their hearts, to carry them through this week, to change and transform their lives. That's expectation that we have. And I know every one of us has places in our lives where we desperately desire and depend on God to move. What would it look like if you showed up here and said, God, I'm expecting nothing less than to see you move. I don't want to miss a moment because I know that there may be movement that comes from that in my life. What are you expecting, God? to do? And then the second question is, how do you leave here connecting more with God? How do you leave here connecting with God? That's why we don't just kind of go to church and then it's just one little thing and we move on from our lives. If you've been around here for a little while now, we like to give homework as a church. We all graduated from that years ago. And, but for whatever reason, there's this thing about having homework and something to do because it keeps us connected to God throughout the week so that when we come back next weekend, more expectant with God, more expectant because we've been connected with him all week. What would it look like for you to leave here saying, no, I want to be more connected with God. That's not just the box that I check off to go to church and say that I did my time with God. I actually leave here desiring more. And I expect God to actually show up in the movement of my life throughout my week. I have a thought for us that might shape and change our experience this week as we walk into next week in our two-year anniversary. It's a little prayer that you might want to jot down. It's a little prayer that I would ask you. This is your homework. So if you're new here and I talked just a second ago about how we sign homework, this is it. This is that homework part. And here's the prayer. And I just wonder if it might change our hearts as we consider why it is that we would even go to church and what it is that we're really hoping for and expecting. Prayer is simple, and it's one, I would ask that you consider praying every day this week till we get together again next Sunday. Every day this week that you would pray this small prayer. God, I am looking for you today. God, I am looking for you today. I am actively looking for you at work in my marriage. I am actively looking for you at work in my relationship. God, I am expecting you. I, I need to see you at work today because I want to kill those people. I need you, God. I'm expecting you. God, I'm expecting you to see you in my finances. And I want to see, God, what you actually have for me more than what I want for me. God, I'm expecting to see you. I am looking for you today in this very tough spot where I'm facing a huge fear, God, that I am very, very afraid of or this illness or sickness, God, I'm expecting to see you in the middle of even the darkest hours of my week this week, in those moments too, God. I am expecting to see you today. And you go on a mission looking for God this week. And just see if it doesn't change your perspective of your day, keep you more connected to God throughout the week, and bring us back here together in a very different place next weekend. What are you expecting from God? And how can you continue to be connected to him throughout this week? What are the moments that God wants to open the door 
to reveal and show you so much more, the movement he has in store for you. So I'm going to invite the band to come up right now, and we're actually going to have a moment together. We're going to have a moment together. We're going to sort of practice what we preach right now. And as they do, I want us to just to focus and center our hearts around that question. What are you expecting from God today? You know, in the hours before Jesus was arrested and tried, ultimately where he gave his life on the cross, he gathered his disciples together for a moment. And they had all kinds of expectations for Jesus. They had all kinds of plans for Jesus. And ultimately, they were plans for themselves. But in that moment, Jesus pulled them together in all places to an upper room. And as he pulled them together, knowing full well what was to come for them, the movement that would begin just a few short months later called the church, he gathered them together and had a moment with them. And he took elements from the table, common elements, bread, and he broke it. He said, this bread is my body, broken for you. I want you to remember that I literally physically came, that God came to be with you. And then he took wine, poured it in the cup, and said, this wine represents my blood. I want you to remember, you need to remember, stay connected to the reality that I have offered my life for you and that my blood is the only thing that will cover your sin. He said, I want you to remember this and I want you to do it often. I want you to stay connected to me but through moments like this. And here, 2,000 years later, we're invited to the same table where we get to remember, where we get to show up to the table expectant God, I need you to move in this area. God, I'm desperately dependent on you. God, I am looking for you today. And so what I'm going to ask you to do as I pray is we're just going to take a moment of silence. The band's going to kind of play. I want you to just close your eyes so that helps you to take out any distraction. And would you open up your hands in your lap in front of you as a literal physical representation of your openness, your expectancy to God? your open-handedness, that you're not trying to clutch to or cling to your own strength, your own plan, your own ideas, but your openness and expectation on God. And if you would, just pray with me for a moment. And instead of waiting until tomorrow morning to pray that prayer, let's pray right now. What are the places that you are expectant on God, that you desperately are dependent on Him to move? What are the places where you know you are totally out of control and your life needs the loving hand and guidance? of a good God. What are you expecting from God right now? Would you take a moment and just sit with that, ask that question to your own heart, and speak out the words to God right now. And then I'll pray for us in a second. We'll receive communion together. Just take a moment. God, we come to you because ultimately at the end of the day we know we have no better place to go. You are actually our hope, our rock, our salvation. And so we come depending on you, expecting of you, trusting God that even in this moment you have so much more for us and you long to change us and transform us and grow us, God. So we come to this moment with open, expectant hearts. 
we come ready to experience you, God. Why else would we come? Why else would we come? We desire to know you more, God. Meet us even now at the table, we pray. In your name, amen. So what I want to invite you to do is to come to the front when you're ready and to receive the body and blood of Christ, to take the bread, to dip it in the cup, and let that be a reminder to you of the power that's in this moment and the movement that God has and is ready to give you in your life. And again, we want to say this every time. Over here to your left, we have actually gluten-free bread. We don't want anyone to be kept from the table. So if you need to do that, you can come right over here and do that. But I'd encourage you to take this moment, take advantage of this moment to experience the gift of grace as made available through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.